0: Hello, and thanks for finding us. Karam Deo is a a local church in Denver, Colorado. We are a network of friends following Jesus together. Join us for preaching, teaching, announcements, and other musings. I'm teaching us today, which is not normal, but stoked to be here. And I was uh, talking with Dave Court and Ben about uh, teaching this week, and Dave threw me under the bus last week and was making fun of the fact that I was like trying to get out of it this whole time. And I think the reason for that is I generally don't like talk to groups of people, and I don't think it's the teaching part that freaks me out as much as just like, I'm gonna be talking and I have no idea what you're hearing or how it's going to land. And for all of you who don't know, I'm a therapist, and so, I'm used to teaching, but it's always tied to story. So I'm like sitting one-on-one with somebody and I bring a teaching, but it's tied to their story. And so I can kind of guess what they're hearing or how it's going to land. So if you could humor me today and pretend that we're in a therapy session, we're talking one-on-one and just allow, like whatever I'm saying, hopefully it'll touch a piece of your story. And if you give me feedback about that, that would make me feel better. And then Dave and Ben, as a joke, they're like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, we'll just bring a chair up there and you can pretend that you're in a therapy session. So I'm gonna teach from a chair today. (laughs) And uh, we're just gonna pretend that we're in my office. Hopefully this will land and connect to your story. And in a serious note, I think it is my prayer that my yes to sitting here, even though it's not comfortable, actually would inspire a yes in your heart where I am not a preacher, but I am a therapist and a friend and a lover of Jesus. And that's, who, that's how I sit here today. And I just pray that that like, yes or my willingness would inspire that same kind of yes in you somehow this week. So we are going to do, uh, jump in Ephesians 6 together. But first, I thought it might be helpful to do a little bit of a recap of where we've been because we've been going through Ephesians for about a month and a half. So first week, Matt brought a teaching on the parable of the sower and basically was talking about how 2020 did a number on a lot of us and what happens in our heart when hard things happen. From this parable, you talk about like, we could develop really hard soil. We could develop really rocky soil. We could have a lot of weeds just like planting us out of disappointment and frustration. So Matt's word was going into 2021, may our hearts um, soften. May we repent of disappointment and basically have good soil again going into 2021. Ephesians 1, Dave brought basically that the mystery of God's will is revealed as heaven and earth collide and that the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to actually bring heaven into earth. And that ultimately the mystery of God's will is revealed that heaven and earth would completely become one. And so we are active participants in that as that's happening. Ephesians two, Brandon came and basically called us out. And he said that we are guilty of gospel reductionism. And he was talking about how often with the gospel, we're talking about this um, spiritual component of us and our reconciliation with God. But then how, for far too long, we've just like negated the power of the gospel to impact us in this more horizontal component. So calling us the wholeness of the gospel is to have both this vertical and horizontal component. Ephesians 3, Matt confronted the places in our hearts that we're living from disappointments. And that ultimately the gospel is the reason that we can basically repent pull out some of those roots of disappointment and ultimately believe in one another again. And then uh, two weeks ago, Dave talked about the that we are all part of a body and this this idea that each one of us is making up the wholeness of the body and ultimately the way that we can get unity and diversity or individuality amidst being a part of this larger body is through conflict. That we need to embrace conflict embrace that piece of relationship and that ultimately that will achieve intimacy, unity, humility, and maturity. And then last week we talked about basically the contrast of the new self and the old self. So with Left Without God, we are pleasure-seeking power-seeking humans, but with the Holy Spirit we are liberated into a new self and that ultimately confession keeps us alive in our new self. So that's where we've been the last month and a half and Today I will be teaching from Ephesians 6. My goal in the question that I hope we can kind of look at together today is how can we healthily respond to seasons of needing to stand firm? And the goal is in a season where we need to stand firm. Ephesians 6 is kind of that classic spiritual warfare passage. And in Ephesians 4 and 5 we were the language was we were making a lot of progress. We were uh, making disciples, we were walking in the Spirit, we were developing as followers of Jesus. In Ephesians 6 we kind of get the shift in language of we're not walking right now, we're just simply trying to stand firm. We're under attack. The attack could come in the form of nature and nurture, stuff within ourselves. So this could be individual sin, um, somebody else's sin inflicted on us, it could be corporate or systemic sin. It could be literal, like spiritual realities that we can't see. So, whatever the spiritual force or the attack is coming from, basically the idea is that we're just needing to stand firm. How's that for an introduction? How am I doing? Good. Thank you. Okay. So, we're going to read Ephesians 6 together. So, if we could all stand for the reading of God's word. And just a little side note I was in a cohort with some therapists talking specifically about trauma. And we're finding with clients that need to work through their trauma, often in the midst of processing, their bodies want to do something that they weren't able to do in that trauma moment as a part of their healing process. So they, maybe they're in a situation where they wish they could have run away and they weren't able to run away. So when we're processing their trauma, their body wants to like move and run or maybe they're in a situation where they wish they could have yelled and they were frozen and they couldn't yell. So while we're processing trauma, it'll actually help their bodies to yell and it's a part of their healing process. So today, as we're learning about standing firm, I just thought let's connect our bodies to this. And so we're gonna stand firm. So feet shoulder width apart. Get your arms firm, whatever that means. Hands on your hips can open them wide power stance (laughs) we're just going to stand firm as I read this over you finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also with me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. All right, you may be seated. You feeling powerful? So chapter 6, Ephesians 6, it marks a key transition. And in Ephesians 4 and 5, we were talking more about relationships within the ancient household. So both inside the home and outside of the home. And now we're making a distinct shift to more our behavior and relationship to the devil and cosmic powers. So each piece of the armor is defensive. There's not really an offensive piece. Some people say the sword is, but in general, we get this picture of the disciple armoring himself or herself and the community at large. um, Armoring itself with truth, righteousness or justice, the gospel of peace and then faith. This is not a complete list of what we need to stand firm. So when I was little and we would do these passages in church, typically we would like go through each one of like, how do you put on your belt of truth? And then you would color your belt. So we're not gonna go one by one and make like a direct application. Rather, we're going to uh, talk in general about what this word picture evokes. So the first thing I want to bring to our attention is this idea that standing firm requires effort. So it does not automatically happen to stand firm when we're under attack. And intentional action must be done to equip oneself with these protective attributes or resources. In Ephesians 4, Paul uses the word effort, says like make every effort towards unity. And there's something about effort that doesn't feel authentic coming out of my voice, like out of my mouth. So I don't know if that's personality or if that's my upbringing or what, but when I'm like saying we need to make effort to put on the armor, it doesn't feel like what is that, God? And I felt like instead for myself, I would say intentional action, or I need to be willing to put on the armor, or even the word that Brian brought today of persistence. Like, we need to be persistent and willing or take intentional action to armor ourselves. And if you agree with effort, use effort, that's what the Bible says. (laughs) But if you need to change that word, change it. But whatever that word is, it should be the opposite of um, passivity. So when you think of being in that passive stance or victim stance, putting on the armor should be the opposite of that. And Paul's language here is full of action verbs. So if you look at verse 10, he's saying be strong. Verse 11, put on. Verse 13, put on. Stand your ground. Verse 14, stand firm. Verse 16, take up. So the idea is we we are not passively falling into the armor of God. We do not passively stand firm when we are under attack. It takes effort and intentionality. So Paul is calling us to action. And the armor really is a gift to us. If we think about these pieces of truth, righteousness and justice, peace and faith, all these things really are a gift to us. And it's like a grace that we can put on ourselves. And I was thinking of the phrase, um, I felt the grace to fill in the blank, that we use often in our Christian culture. Like, I felt the grace to respond differently to my crazy coworker. Or I felt the grace to engage this person's story who's different than me in a given moment. And it just like came over me. I felt the grace to do that. I felt like that would be almost like in our body's experience of grace. That's what the armor feels like. It's when we step into the armor and we feel that sense of like, okay, I have the grace to respond differently than my nature or my nurture would naturally have me respond. So with this word picture, grace, it's not this like soft gummy grace, but I almost want us to picture grace being like the armor that Paul talks about. And the Holy Spirit is then enabling us to partner with this grace. A Dallas Willard quote that Dave gave me, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, but effort is an action. And I see this in my work as well, Often, not always, but uh, my clients will often know what they need for themselves and in those around them and to see the change that they want. But the hardest part of the work is done outside of my office in those moments of needing to confront, set a boundary, do emotional regulation when they need to in a difficult circumstance. All these things require action and these acts are the actions and efforts that often Um, ultimately bring the truth and health that we need. The thing with mental health is, it's not the absence of illness. Mental health is not a passive stance. Just like Paul talks about in discipleship, we don't automatically just get this armor put on us. I often feel like mental health is not just this gift that we have, but it's often something that we need to stand in and it, it also requires action. Um, this quote by M. Scott Peck says mental health is an ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. And because psychology knows that health requires effort, similar to Paul's call in discipleship, my my job is to help clients see reality for what it truly is. And hopefully they'll be able to choose to walk in this reality on a daily basis. And the beauty of the gospel is it goes a step forward past psychology. So not only Uh, does the gospel get us back to neutral but it gives us an identity and our identity allows us it allows us to stand firm and to walk in and sometimes reality it still is just too hard and our appropriate response to reality actually is anxiety or is depression or is stress and so sometimes Those experiences of mental illness are the appropriate responses to our circumstances. And the beauty of Christianity is that we actually get the ultimate hope that reality is not simply what we see on earth, but there's this eschatological reality that we can then dedicate our heart to. So, in this quote, mental health is the ongoing process of dedication to reality at all costs. I don't think. M. Scott Peck was talking about an eschatological reality. I don't think that was his story, but when we hear that quote, there is this element of, yeah, we can be committed to this reality. Like when we're under delusions, hallucinations, false anxieties, depressions, we can come back to this reality. But ultimately, as Christians, we are tied to a reality that's even greater than this world. So lesson number one, grace is not opposed to effort and putting on the armor of God, it's going to take some work for us. It's not automatically going to happen. So here's my caveat. There are times when life happens and we don't feel able to put on armor ourselves. In our lives, there are times when we are walking, making progress, advancing the kingdom, making disciples. And there are other times in life when we are just holding down the fort and doing our very best to stand firm. I think of Ecclesiastes, that there is a time for everything. And that is why we are a part of a corporate body. In Ephesians 6, there's a personal call to armor yourself as well as a corporate call. So there's uh, two main actions that we see in Ephesians 4 and 5. In Ephesians 4, we have this idea of uh, Christians walking in a manner suitable to their calling. Or in Ephesians 5, that Christians walk in Christ. And now in Ephesians 6, like I mentioned in the beginning, we're learning to stand firm. So we're no longer walking here, rather we're just trying to stand firm. So we are shifting from making a lot of progress in our life, we're like doing the deal, doing our Christian discipleship thing, and now in Ephesians 6, we are under attack and we're simply just trying to stand firm. One of the commentaries that I read this week by Ben Witherington says, "Uh, the sense here is that victory comes by holding one's ground and not giving an inch to the forces of evil. Success in this moment is simply standing firm. (laughs) It is success if we stand firm and we're not letting the enemy take an inch from us. And this is a huge lesson that has taken me a while to learn. That I can actually be in obedience even when I'm not actively taking ground. That you could be in obedience with God if you're not taking ground. I feel like that's significant today. Do you feel that? That you're actually in obedience, even if you're simply standing firm. And love has both of these rhythms. So sometimes obedience is missional, and it's engaging, and it's taking ground, and it's healing. And sometimes the way of obedience is simply getting people around you, armoring up, and weathering attack. And we even see this built into our rhythms of life. With the sabbath we work six days and we rest on the seventh taking a sabbath um, it's a day to stand firm it's a day to receive grace and then it's and then we advance six days out of the week we have regular extended times of vacation or rest or holidays i think of the jewish calendar they were so intentional to celebrate and to rest or i think of matt and ton they went hard for a decade or so in ministry and then just last year they they finally took a sabbatical for three months. These are not times where we were walking in obedience or walking in love, and then we get to step out of that and rest, but rather the, the lesson or the challenge that I was learning, thinking about this, was just that love and this armor really does have both rhythms. Times where we're, where we're walking forward and times where we're standing firm. So I wanted to share with you a bit of my past year of simply needing to stand firm and on my 29th birthday, so this was a year and a half ago, I felt like God said that I would be learning the way of love for the next six years. That was the phrase that I felt like I heard so that put me from 29 to 35 years old that I would be in this season of learning the way of love and shortly after this, well probably a year later, we got pregnant And so I was like, of course, I'm learning, I'm learning the way of love through sacrificing my body. You know, I pictured having Harvey and then having these existential moments of like, this is what love is, you know, what parents talk about sometimes. And that happened for sure, but my first lesson in learning the way of love was much different than I thought it was going to be. 2020, it took a toll on all of us, and I think it impacted us each differently depending on our personality, um, how our jobs were affected, temperaments, circumstances, etc. but we all got hit to some degree. And for me personally, I experienced anxiety with the greatest intensity that I ever had before. I didn't really know really what anxiety was until this past year. I was pregnant, so there's the hormonal piece. I'm physically weaker, about to go into a massive transition, and I hate transitions. So all of that's happening. Um, And I'm also starting work at an incredibly stressful job. But what was coming up in me when I was anxious was this inability to look outward. Anxiety turns us inward, and we start doing the self-preservation thing. We start looking at ourselves, and we're just like, I am too freaked out to look outward. I need to protect myself. And in extreme cases with anxiety, it leads to neuroticism and delusions. I think at times I was flirting with it, (laughs) honestly. And sometimes I would come, I was just riddled with anxiety around my work in particular. I would come home from a really hard day. I was entrenched in self-protection. I'd been checking my charts for like three hours that day. And I would come home and I would talk to Dave or my roommates, and I was just like, I need you guys to tell me what's real because I don't know what's real right now. That M. Scott Peck quote of like, it's this fierce holding on to reality. I could not hold on to reality on my own anymore. The anxiety and the fear was too big. It looked like for me texting my friends, hey, I'm having this thought, is this real? I had to go into therapy myself uh took a toll on our marriage constantly needing to ask like i cannot see reality for what it is tell me what is real and i'm supposed to be learning the way of love right i'm in my six year (laughs) window of learning the way of love and i could not love while i was consumed with future possibilities and avoiding the present person in front of me Fear was pulling me into an unknown future and leaving me void of being mindfully present. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah, you can't be present, you can't love the person in front of you when you're pulled into an unknown future. So when I thought love was going to start with holding Harvey and being undone by my son, instead my first lesson in love was that I needed my fears exposed and my dependency on others to increase. So I needed to learn that sometimes love is me stepping out, loving my neighbor, and sometimes it's me turning to my friends and saying, I'm really scared right now. And my sense of dependency on the people around me was so intense and it wasn't something I was manufacturing or saying like, I love my community, I need my community, it was this very real sense of like, I don't know if I can go to work tomorrow if I still think this is what reality is, so can you remind me again what is true about who I am, remind me again what's true about who God is, remind me again that we're okay, that my relationships are okay, that's what I needed my community to be. So it went from a little bit more of this existential thought of needing community to this very real concrete thing of like gosh i am dependent on the relationships around me i am so dependent and my own defenses were failing me which felt ironic at the time because i'm a trained therapist so i knew what i should be doing if i'm experiencing, generalizing if i'm generalizing anxiety i know what i should be doing and yet i was powerless to defend myself And the imagery of Ephesians um, is not only that there's armor available for me, and that I need to be putting on my armor. But the real experience that I had in my season of anxiety was like my friends were picking up the armor for me, belting my truth around my waist again. And then I would drop it, I would come home from work again, freaked out, crying, anxiety attacks, whatever it was manifesting as. And again, Dave would pick up the belt of truth, buckle it around my waist, and I'm like, okay, okay. I can stand firm another day. So there's both an individual and a corporate component to armoring ourselves while we're under attack. And where I stand today in 2021 is that I've never been more convinced of my dependency on the body as a whole. I've never been more convinced. So I felt like the invitation for us is to engage this idea of the armor of God, both at an individual component, because. We read Ephesians 6, and there, there are all these action verbs. Like, we are called to put it on ourselves. We're not called to passivity, to simply look at our person next to us and be like, put my belt on, over and over and over. There is this call that we put it on. We have to be working in our bodies, doing our rules of life, spending our times in Scripture, grounding ourselves, putting the effort and deliberate action into armoring ourselves with the grace of God again. And the second component that I experienced this last year is we need to be able to look at each other and just say, I'm super freaked out right now. Like, will you put my belt of truth back on? Or to look at somebody with a different story than ourselves and to say, I do not understand what justice or righteousness looks like, but I trust your understanding of that. Will you put my breastplate on? I want to know what justice looks like. Will you put that on for me? So to engage this both at an individual and a corporate component. So to end today, if you brought a journal or something to write on, pull that out. And if not, you can just kind of engage this in your own way. So first question is just a self-awareness question. With Dave's messages with Ephesians 4 and 5, we're like walking in those chapters like walking forward making disciples doing all the action stuff so are you in that kind of a season where you're like i'm actually i'm feeling good like i'm doing okay 2020 was hard it had its stuff but i'm doing i'm doing okay are you in that season or are you in a season where you're simply needing to stand firm and you're under attack so that's the first question second question is what is your action step is it confession in conflicts, like dave taught about? Is it believing and committing to other people like Matt talked about? Is it dependency on others? Or prophesying over others and armoring your friends like I'm talking about today? So let's take a couple of minutes to answer those two questions. What season are you in? Are you standing or walking? And what is your action step from that place? And this is not a requirement but If you are in a season where you are simply standing firm and under attack and you would like prayer today, would you just hold your hand up and then whoever wants to, we will just gather around you and pray. So this is not a requirement if you thought you were standing firm, but if anybody is and would like to be covered today, just put your hand up, we'll gather around you. And in a covid conscious way you can ask if they want to be to touch them or not touch them gather and pray can we pray for you okay anybody else need prayer yeah so father we um i just thank you for the lesson that you are teaching me about love that that love looks both like walking forward like making progress and love also looks like dependency and allowing our fears to get exposed. Yeah, and Jesus, I just pray that we as we as a body would be a people that would armor one another. That we would be a people that are persistent in pursuing the armor of God, of partnering with your grace and armoring ourselves again against the attacks that we come across, and that we would be persistent in seeing our brother and our sister and our friends as um, people that also need the armor, that we'd be armoring one another. May we not tear armor off of one another in speaking lies or injustices, but may we be ones that, again, armor our friends with the truth with righteousness with a gospel of peace and i'll just read ephesians 3 over us to close for this reason i bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named to close today that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Whether we are in seasons of walking forward or whether we are in seasons of standing our ground, I pray today that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect further, please visit us at www.cdchurch.org.